0: Welcome to True Kinship with Animals, where we believe we all do better when all creatures do better. I'm Janet Roper, and each week I share stories and suggestions with you on how to deepen your relationship with animals, moving you from ownership to true kinship, one animal at a time. This podcast is brand new and your help getting it off the ground is ever so much appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast and find my work helpful, if you have been inspired or informed, or if you have discovered your world has opened to new possibilities because of the podcast, consider supporting my work by making a financial contribution or shopping my wish list at JanetRoper.com. This link is also on the show page for your convenience. Your support helps this podcast grow and makes my work sustainable. And it puts a big smile on my face, folks. I can't deny that. I cannot do this work without you. In this episode, we're tackling the common, everyday language we use when we are referring to our domesticated animals and the relationship we have with them. Common words we use like pet, owner, fur kid, dog mom, or outdated, inadequate, and unsatisfactory. These words create a hierarchy, one of humans having power over animals. And you know what, folks? That is the antithesis of true kinship and animism, as it doesn't permit or even encourage equality between the species. Tracy Nichols, poet and facilitator of transformational writing, says, words and language and what we do with them are powerful wayfinding tools. Isn't that quote absolutely delicious? You can find more of Tracy's inspirational writing at tracynichols.com and the link is also included in the show notes for your convenience. It's vital we use all the accessible and appropriate wayfinding tools at our disposal when it comes to moving towards true kinship with animals. One essential and pivotal tool available to all of us is becoming aware of the language we use with animals. Among animal lovers these days, animals are often looked upon and valued as family members. And why not? We have a mutual relationship of helping each other feel loved, safe, and secure. We spend quality time together, and we witness each other as we go about our daily lives. Imagine working together with your furred, finned, feathered, or scaled family member and co-creating your life together as partners, not as owner and pet. What would that feel like? Often, I'm asked about the language I use with animals. For instance, I fervently stay away from words like owner and pet. Using those words and others like them are divisive and automatically set up that relationship of power over instead of true kinship. As much as possible, I refer to animals using words that honor their agency and wisdom, refraining from words that subjugate, infantilize, or anthropomorphize them. Why? The words we use with animals is a reflection of our relationship with them, and it's a reminder that our inner world is reflected in how we show up in the outer world. There's a lacking in our English language. I realize I'm making sweeping statements in what needs to be a very nuanced conversation. However, I believe we are at a critical juncture in our relationship with animals and that we need to make these changes as soon as possible. In my book, that as soon as possible would have been yesterday. Becoming aware of the words we use with and about animals is a step towards making those needed gigantic changes. As I've said before, when we examine our basic contemporary culture, our relationship with animals is often underrated Or entirely dismissed by many folks. It's just a dog or a cat or a bird or a horse so on and so forth. Just get over it. That's what we frequently hear. The fact that true family can and often is created with animals is simply beyond the comprehension of many. Our culture doesn't have a lexicon that includes, much less embraces, the relationship that can exist between humans and animals. So we are stuck using outdated, inadequate and incorrect words like pet and owner, which again, by their definition, they set up that hierarchy of power over animals instead of one true kinship. Google says under current law, domesticated animals are considered property. That means your beloved dog, your beloved cat, rabbit, bird, or other family member has been relegated into the category of possessions. We have designated sentient beings into the same category as items, such as your computer, your kitchen table, your stove, the the heater, your car. And they don't deserve that, do they? So let's dissect that a bit. The word owner is possessive, indicating that someone or something belongs to you. When that happens, the owned becomes the property of the owner placing the owned at the whim and use of the owner. The word pet implies the animal is dependent upon the human, does not have their own agency, and must be taken care of. This sets up a hierarchical relationship, placing humans above animals, blinding us to the mutual true kinship relationship that is possible between the species. Again, I know these are sweeping statements and that they... Are being made in what needs to be an extremely nuanced conversation. And yet, that doesn't make these statements inaccurate. Nor does it dismiss human accountability and responsibility because we domesticated animals. But that, my friends, that is a topic for another show. Sentient beings are not things. They are not property and we can't, or at least we shouldn't, view them that way no matter what the dominant culture may say. I struggle personally and professionally with a generally accepted view of our relationship with animals. It's just an animal, yada, 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 yada. Folks, I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing it because it's not effective and it's not true and it goes against true kinship. I believe that animals have the same rights we do that our relationship with them should be lived through the lens of kinship. And I bet you do too, simply because you're listening to this podcast. Many of us work diligently to include animals as family members. Yay you and go for it, and that is, that's fantastic in my book. Doesn't that make sense? If you don't own the humans in your family, why would you own the animals? But the idea of pet and owner is so ingrained in us, we continue to use those antiquated words out of habit and convenience. And doesn't it make sense, as this idea has been so ingrained in us through culture, societal norms, and family and generational traditions. Here's the thing. If changing our language around our relationship with animals was easy, we would have done it by now, right? However, this is a nuanced and complex conversation, one where we need to start by examining our own languaging around animals and our relationship with them. How often do you refer to yourself as the owner or dog mom? Or use words like pet and fur baby when referring to your animal companion? I know I have, and I sometimes still do. But ultimately the goal is to discard the lines between words that create division between us and the animals. It's time to get to a place that recognizes and honors the animal's own agency and wisdom for the authenticity that it is. This shift is not effortless or magical. It's a daily practice with some days going smoothly and other days feeling stagnated and frustrating. Yet making the shift is essential because animals are their own beings. They're not just an extension of humans, right? They're not just um, a, a smaller human that happens to have a tail and four legs. So it's time for change. It's time for us to change our perspective. I invite you to start becoming aware of the words you use with animals. How do you do that? Here are some ways to start. Number one, be kind and patient with yourself. You've been using this language your entire life and you are surrounded by a society that regularly uses it. It's not going to change overnight. Number two, make notes when you find yourself doing this. Look for patterns or situations that precipitate the old languaging pattern that you are working to dismantle. Number three, ask for help. Find a safe person you trust and ask them to gently point out when you're using hierarchical words. Number four, start observing the words of others. Not that, not to change them, not that you want to change them, but to become aware of how prevalent and how pervasive this habit is. I hope this has inspired you to start becoming aware of the language you use about your relationship with animals. You can always find out more about this at my website, JanetRoper.com, and by signing up for my newsletter. And both of those links, my website, and sign up for the newsletter are included for your convenience in the show notes. Many thanks for joining me today. If you liked what you have heard, you can support this podcast by making a financial contribution, leaving a comment, giving the show a like, a follow, and or a share. To support this podcast with a financial contribution or to shop my wish list, visit my website at JanetRoper.com. Just for today, remember, we all do better when all creatures do better. Until next week, take good care.